In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Lenten journey has begun, and we are called during these 40 days to practice the virtue of penance, the virtue by which we deplore the deeds of our sinful past and turn again to God. We began the penitential season of Advent with the awesome reflection that the whole world will come to an end. Meditation on the four last things, death, judgment, heaven and hell, is the beginning of any true conversion. And the season of Lent begins with the same thought. Only now it is not the end of the world which is our meditation, but the impending end of our own lives. This thought should inspire in us a healthy fear of God. Not a servile fear, but the fear of a child toward a loving father whom he has offended. During the imposition of ashes, we sing, Emendemus in melius. Let us amend for the better in those things in which we have sinned through ignorance, lest suddenly overtaken by the day of death, we seek space for repentance and are not able to find it. Ignorance. Surely we cannot plead that. We cannot ask God for forgiveness simply on the grounds that we didn't know that our actions were wrong. What can be the true meaning of this prayer? Ignorance here is lack of consideration on our part for two things. First of all, that our life will soon be over and we will have a terrible price to pay for our unrepented sins. This thought should occupy the first part of our Lenten pilgrimage. And secondly, if we are ignorant in committing sins, in this sense we are lacking consideration for the price that our Lord has paid for our sins. Lack of consideration for the most bitter passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who died to save us from eternal damnation. This lack of consideration is to be remedied throughout Lent. In the first part, Lent proper, a reflection on the end of our own lives and the sins that are bringing us toward a miserable end. And in the second part, known as Passion Tide, when even this, in consideration of our own sins, as important as it is, must give way to thoughts only of our Savior himself and what he has done for us. We know it is important for all of us to make a good confession leading up to Lent and during Lent before we receive the mysteries of Paschal Tide, make a good and fervent Holy Communion. 
We all know the steps for a good confession, which we learned in catechism. These five steps are, first of all, we make a good examination of conscience. We beg the assistance of the Holy Ghost, of our patron saints, our guardian angel, to know all the sins we have committed in thought, word, or deed. Secondly, we must have contrition. That is, we must regret our sins for a supernatural motive. It is not enough to deplore our sins because we have worldly consequences to suffer for them. Even the souls in hell have such remorse. Their sins gnaw at their consciences for all eternity because they know they are the cause of their misery. This is not yet contrition. Nor is it enough to be sorry because your actions have hurt other people, physically or emotionally. There is a natural goodness in this. But this is not yet true contrition. No, to be truly sorry, we must regret our sins because they have cost us our eternal life with God, because by our sins we have wounded fellow members of the mystical body of Christ or pushed others away from God by our scandal. And to be most perfectly contrite, we must regret our sins because they have offended him who should be the sole object of our love. Thirdly, in order to make a good confession, we must enter the confessional already with firm purpose of amendment. This is not a prediction of the future on whether we shall ever sin again. It is rather a firm will to avoid sin and the occasions which we know will lead to it. Then we must make our confession to the priest simply and humbly, omitting no details which can affect the gravity of our sins, laying the wound fully open to the divine physician. And finally, the performance of penance. When we do things wrong, it is often important or even absolutely necessary to make up for them here and now in a worldly manner cleaning up the messes we've made, restoring things stolen or destroyed, taking back harmful words. But the satisfaction we speak of here is satisfaction to God. St. Francis de Sales explains, in order that Christ's redemption may be applied to us, we must do penance. We must not deceive ourselves, for our forefathers have all passed by that way. Young and old, small and great, all have washed their feet in their hands in the waters of penance. Christ has already made superabundant satisfaction by our sins by pouring out his most precious blood on the cross. But we are not disinterested bystanders. We are members of Christ's body, and we must participate in the work of our redemption. And this leads me to the one practical point I wish to make today and emphasize this year as you begin your Lenten pilgrimage. 
Calvary is still far off in the distance, but I want you to picture it vividly already. Throughout Lent, it is good to recite often that prayer before crucifix, which is found in all missals and many prayer books. Reflect already on the benefits of our Savior, all that he has done for you. I know that all of you are in the habit of making a good thanksgiving after communion. You all know that once you approach the altar rail for communion, you should return to the pew and spend the time in silent prayer, thanking God for deigning to come under your roof. I wonder, though, how many are in the habit of making a good thanksgiving after confession. True, it is not clearly outlined in the steps for a good confession. But once we have made a good confession, what else should we be doing besides making a prayer of thanksgiving? Is this not the lesson of the gospel, the 17th chapter of St. Luke, the gospel which we read on the 13th Sunday after Pentecost? Ten lepers approach our Lord and cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. And he says to them, show yourselves to the priest. They do as they have been commanded. They undergo the steps that have been outlined. And yet only one of the ten returns to give thanks, which our Lord exclaims, where are the other nine? Has only one been found to give thanks to God? Yes, we do as we have been taught. We follow the steps for a good confession. We show ourselves to the priest by kneeling down at the confessional and laying bare our souls so that they may be healed. But once we have been healed, performed our penance in order to make satisfaction, how often do we take a moment simply to give thanks to God for healing us? There are many ways of praying this prayer of thanksgiving. But one of the most beautiful ways, which is found in many prayer books and has been recited by the saints over the centuries, is to recite the 102nd Psalm, the Benedict Anima Mea. Truly, this psalm should be on our minds, especially as we enter this season of penance and reflect on what our Lord is doing for us by healing us in the season of Lent. As we have approached the altar already today to receive ashes, we have heard the words, Remember, man, that thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. God, too, remembers that we are dust. He knows our frailty, and so he is rich in mercy. And so I close today by praying with you this great psalm of thanksgiving for a good confession. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that is within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all that he hath done for thee, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with mercy and compassion, who satisfieth thy desire with good things. Thy youth shall be renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord doth mercies and judgment for all that suffer wrong. He hath made his ways known to Moses, his wills to the children of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy. He will not always be angry, nor will he threaten forever. He hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For according to the height of the heaven above the earth, he hath strengthened his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our iniquities from us. As a father hath compassion on his children, so hath the Lord compassion on them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Man's days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so shall he flourish. For the spirit shall pass in him, and he shall not be, and he shall know his place no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from eternity unto eternity upon them that fear him, and his justice unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and are mindful of his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven. His kingdom shall rule over all. Bless the Lord, all ye his angels, all ye that are mighty in strength and execute his word, hearkening to the voice of his orders. Bless the Lord, all ye his hosts, you ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in every place of his dominion. O my soul, bless thou the Lord. Amen.